welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we're here with this week's episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. This week, I want you to imagine that we have a budget for this show. Ooh, money. Yeah, and if we did, right now, I would spend whatever budget we had to get the rights to play Lou Reed's Satellite of Love (laughs) in the background, uh, because I love that song, and it would be perfect intro for this week's episode, because this week's episode is called Satellite of Love, because it's going to be about love, and it's going to be about affection and Valentine's Day, and... I'll work satellites in there somewhere if I if I can. I just really like the song. Yeah. And if I had a budget, that's what it would go here. Yeah, so let's just all imagine that mm-hmm. that's what's playing right now. Yeah, it would be perfect. It would be great. Yeah. So this episode's coming out on Valentine's Day. Today is Valentine's Day if you were listening to this when it comes out. So Woo-hoo. I want to say happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I love you all, anyone who's listening. I, even if this isn't Valentine's Day, I love you. But I I say it because it's Valentine's Day and I want the love to be spread. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Valentine's Day. It's not my favorite holiday, but I'm okay with it. I I mean, I like loving stuff. What about you? I'm into it. You're into it? Yeah, I'm a fan. Did you make little cardboard uh, Valentines when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. And you had to give them, you know, one to each of your classmates. Yeah, you made a little box for them to put put your Valentines Uh in. And I had like a crush in third grade. (laughs) So... So I gave him like the bigger box of candy, mm-hmm. and I and I was like from your secret admirer. Oh, yeah, nice. Did yeah. he ever find out who it was? Yeah, somebody told. Oh, it's always embarrassing. Was it? Was it? Yeah, he wasn't your little boyfriend after that. No, that but he sucks. kept the candy. <laughs> he kept the candy. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I know anything about little kids, those they'll take free candy. Yeah, it's true. It's they true. love candy. I mean, that's. One of the other things about Valentine's Day, at least it got me into it as a child because you're like a crackhead for candy. Oh my God, it's nothing but sugar. So when I was a kid, I liked that part of Valentine's Day. Yes, the candy was always the best part. I think as you get older, though, uh, some people like to refer to it it as Singles Awareness Day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, well, you know, it's all hyped about love and relationships and being partnered off, and not everybody's got a partner or or, yeah and not everybody even wants to do that but i mean in that sense it does suck but at least it's only one day it's not like a a long thing it's not like one of those it's not like christmas where it takes the whole fucking month Uh, that's a good point or or, come on now christmas lasts like three months yeah exactly at least with valentine's day it's just mostly a day mostly and if you're single you just can't like you can't go to a restaurant that day it's gonna be packed it's gonna gonna be booked and um probably should avoid social media too because people are going to be gushing about their yeah. partners and but i do like the color scheme i like the reds and pinks color scheme that you get oh yeah Valentine's pink's my Day. favorite color so yes yeah as a kid i was always kind of like i like the color scheme that happens around valentine's day the only thing that bothers me but i guess that's just a holiday thing is like just everything's so expensive well yeah i mean it's the all... little teddy bears and the yeah even the roses like everything the prices are jacked up mm-hmm. it was just just a way for capitalism love is money. expensive yeah it is love love is a bad <laughs> Battlefield, you it might really say. is, yes. But I mean, I know when I think about Valentine's Day, I also think about like Cupid for some reason because we get lots of like little Cupid baby dolls yeah. and like where Valentine's Day comes from, right? And the and the the Cupid's arrow, Cupid's arrow. Yeah. yeah, I used to draw the little arrow with the heart through it all the time, or the heart with the arrow through it all the mm-hmm. time. 
when I was like, you know, being an emo kid, I would draw a little. When you were an emo kid, <laughs> and put a little arrow through it, like uh-huh. it was just a symbol I like to draw. I drew it a lot too, actually. Yeah, it's an easy thing yeah. to draw, and so I thought maybe it'd be good for this week for us to get into like where all that came from. Like, what what is the deal with Cupid? Is he a stupid fucking baby, <laughs> or or what is Cupid? Okay. So I thought we might do that this week. What do you think? I'm in. All right. So I did a little bit of research into Cupid because I wanted to answer, like, really, there was two questions I was trying to answer. And that is, like, there's this strong, muscular, like, Cupid guy. And then there's, like, little baby, fat little baby. <laughs> <laughs> little baby, fat little baby. Yeah, with a little with a little bow and arrow that uh-huh. looks tiny and, like, it wouldn't hurt. Uh-huh. And, like, why are there two different ones? And, like, are those both of those, like, historical things? Like, really? I wanted to know the answer to that, and I kind of knew, but not really. So I I did a little bit of research into this. So I I wanted to talk about Cupid because I find it to be very interesting. Okay. Especially because this is Valentine's Day. So like in the the oldest mythology is Greek uh, mythology. We're talking like 700 BC-ish. He was named uh, Eros, E-R-O-S. Okay. Eros was his name. And Eros was the word for desire, the Greek word for desire. So he was like the god of desire. He was a primeval god. And that meant like he was there at the beginning of the creation of everything. So Cupid was one of the forces that holds the whole universe together. Oh, so Cupid was the god? Yes. Eros. Eros. Oh. Yes. But did he look like that? No, that's what I was gonna say. He didn't look like that at all. Huh. Um, he was the he was a powerful god. He was actually one of the fundamental gods of the whole world. He he got made the same day as the underworld and the earth. So, so kind of a big deal. Yeah, he he's very central to human existence. Okay. So like he was a pretty powerful, big, important god. Um, he was also the god like he was the god of passion, desire, fertility. He wasn't really the god of love. He was more like a god of like the base connection of humankind and human connection and human connection to the earth. Hmm. So he was always kind of a trickster. He was spontaneous and capricious like nature is. In fact, there's there's an interesting quote I found. This guy, Richard Martin, he's a classics professor at Stanford. He said, in the Greek literary sources we have, he's depicted as unconquerable. So whatever he wants to happen, happens. He causes disaster. So we have this God that's like, He's very strong and powerful and this like ultimate force of the world connected to love, which I think is really interesting. He's intense. He is. He's very intense. Mm. And even though he was a trickster and kind of devious, people still wanted to be shot with Cupid's arrow. They still wanted arrows to fill them with like mad love because it was such a powerful, raw, connective force. And um, which I think is really interesting because it's that's slightly different than the Cupid we have in our minds now. Yeah, but it's very it's still kind of similar in a way. Mm-hmm. We all love when we're in love. It's very intense. Yes, it is. It's intense and it's overwhelming uh-huh. and it feels like one of the strongest things yeah. that, that there could ever be. It's very human. Mm-hmm. So at this time, he was sort of depicted as like a young, strong guy, even like late teens. He has... Uh, a golden wings and a bow and arrow that were given to him by Zeus. He wore armor a lot um, because there was like this connection between love and war um, and this connection between like... Pat Benatar knew. Yeah. And this <laughs> connection between like love being unconquerable, like an army, like a, a an unconquerable force. Okay. So it was, it was symbolic. Also at this time, like he was known as like being the son of Aphrodite and there were different myths around who his dad was. So sometimes his dad would be Ares or Mars, the god of war. And so the armor was a connection to that. 
sometimes his dad would be Zeus and the wings would be a connection to that. And so, and his mom was Aphrodite. Sometimes he didn't have a dad. He was just a companion to her. So there are different representations, but they're all sort of this like strong, powerful, sort of macho, overwhelming force of love. But once the Romans got a hold of it, things start to change a little bit because the Romans were a little bit more patriarchal. So Mm -hmm. once we get to like around... 200 BC and a little bit after that, you get into the Roman times when <laughs> the they weren't as um, they weren't as lenient as the Greeks about things. They were more strict, I think. Yes. And so Cupid becomes like the god of love in all of its forms. He's sometimes called Cupid or Amor, which is a Latin word for love. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually Latin for love is Amor, and Cupid is Latin uh, for desire. So love and desire it's sort of mixed together. The Romans made him into a like a little baby because because of the connection with Aphrodite, the like little baby companion of her. And it's interesting. He supposedly had a brother named Antieros, who was the god of requited love. And oh. and him and Cupid fought. Like Cupid right. was like, "Fuck you!" Requited love is like it's not even the same feeling. It's like a whole other thing. He was dealing with like that deep, hardcore love. Uh, which I find interesting. The, the Greeks and Romans were certainly aware of the different kinds of love, mm. which I think is really cool because I feel that way today, don't you? Yes. Like there are many different kinds of, of love and they had like different gods and different ways to represent each kind, which I think is pretty cool. But he lost all of his sexual charisma at this point. He became a little infantile baby. And this was because of possibly because of the patriarchal culture that had been become strong in Greece and Rome at the time. So, like, they were trying to repress female sexuality by infantilizing Cupid. They also, there were many stories where Cupid did Aphrodite's bidding, and the the Romans didn't like the idea of a big, powerful, strong man doing the bidding of a woman. Uh, so there's a lot right. of patriarchy sort of happening at this time. No, that, and a dash of misogyny. That caused him to go from a badass to a little itty-bitty stupid fucking baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I kind of gathered when I did this research. Like, holy shit. Okay, so it's really the patriarchy. They downgraded him Mm -hmm. a little. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really pretty cool. They um they had a festival. So like they they would eventually get to the point like once you get to A.D. like 100 and 200 A.D. uh, They had these festivals that they called the uh, Erotania, which was like a big orgy (laughs) to celebrate the Cupids. There's now multiple Cupids. They have an orgy to celebrate How did they them. get to more than one Cupid? They just, because they're Rome and they just decided like, there were oh, a bunch of these were, little fucking babies running around. They were around. extra. Yeah. Okay. And so now they are like, we're going to have this big orgy and we're going to do fucked up Roman stuff. <laughs> they did a lot of fucked up uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. And praise Cupid and like reflect the values they saw in Cupid. And they also had like a lot of tournaments and wrestling contests and hunting things because he was also considered to be the god of male love between males. Okay. Um, and that even did go sexual. So, like, you know how the Romans were. Uh, there was a, there was a thing with he was kind of the god of homosexual sex a little bit for a while there towards the end for a minute or two. Yeah, he was like the gay god. Okay. Um, and the Romans just sort of like were like, yeah, he's the god of like when dudes love each other and sometimes they bang. And that's cool. He's and the guy. So of then that. they wrestled. Yeah, and then they wrestled. They would to celebrate. Yeah, okay. to celebrate our our love of this guy, which I thought was 
Those Romans. So, yeah. Am I right? They did things they did things a little different. <laughs> Very different. Yeah. And so that's the sort of like, that answers those two questions I had like at the beginning of like, what happened to him? Why did he become this weird little baby thing? Right. Because you, if you look up Cupid, mm-hmm. you're, you can see two different visual mm-hmm. representations. One being stupid fucking baby mm-hmm. and other being kind of this strong young man. Yeah. With wings, yeah, and I, it sort of, it sort of fits the idea I had in my head of the like the Greeks doing things that kind of made sense, and yeah. the Romans making them weird, and the Romans being like excess, <laughs> yeah, extra, yeah. Let's throw an orgy in yeah. here because the Greeks were like love seems to be the mo- one of the most important things in the world, and so it's very powerful. And they were like, yeah, but that gives women way too much power. So we can't we're gonna, have that. We can't have that. We're going to switch it up. Right. It seems like that's what happened, which I found really interesting. I didn't know that, but it all sort of makes sense. Okay. So in some ways, Cupid's story is a story of uh, patriarchy. <laughs> Weird. Didn't see that coming, did you? No. There's one more connection with Cupid that I wanted to talk about because I thought this was really a cool story. So... You know, we use the word narcissism all the time, and that comes from narcissism, narcissism, uh, and narcissists in mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, and you kind of know the story around narcissists, but yes. I, I found the actual full, like, fleshed out story of that, and I think Cupid's heavily involved with it, and I thought it would be pretty interesting to tell that story. Okay, so, yeah. The story kind of goes that nice. I'm going to call him Eros because it's the Greek story. So narcissists and Eros. Um, where basically Eros is mad at Narcissus for his beauty because Narcissus like has this all this beauty and everyone falls in love with him and he abuses it. Like there's a story where a guy comes to his house and Narcissus gives him a sword and the dude just falls on the sword and kills himself because he thinks that's what Narcissus wants him to do. And he was so uh, in love. or That he would just do whatever Narcissus said. Uh-huh. And so Eros didn't like this because he was like, you got this beauty that ever- makes everyone love you and you abuse it. And so he was, one day Narcissus was talking to people and he was like, I'm so badass that like Cupid's arrow wouldn't even hurt me. Like Eros could shoot me with his arrow. <laughs> he could shoot me all day long and, and I won't feel a thing. Because he's so full of himself, which what narcissists do. And so I, uh, uh, Eros is like pissed and he's like, all right, I'm going to get back at him. And he decides he's going to come up with a plan involving Echo. Now Echo was a nymph who had her voice taken away from her for having an affair with Zeus. Um, and Athena took away uh, her voice so that she could only repeat what was said to her. <laughs> and so Echo, or I mean, Eros comes up with this plan. I'm going to use Echo. So one day when Echo is walking down the path and Narcissus is walking down a forest path and they're going to pass each other, uh, Eros shoots Echo with an arrow. So she falls in love with Narcissus' heart. Even, even past his beauty, even past that, she falls in madly in love with him. So she starts to swoon over him, but she can't say anything because she's Echo. And he looks at her and he kind of scoffs and he's, he says, I would die before I would give you a chance at me. And being Echo, all she could say back is, I would give you a chance at me. In which he laughs and just leaves her there on the road. Mm. And she's just there, heartbroken, feeling terrible. And he starts continuing down the trail and he starts to hear this voice. This voice, it's the best voice he's ever heard. He's in love with this voice. He, he, he has to follow it. It's the best voice he's ever heard. It's his own voice. And the reason he can hear it is because Echo is echoing his thoughts and making him hear his own voice, which to him is the best thing he's ever heard. Right. And so he starts following his voice and it leads him to the water. And when he gets near the water, Eros shoots him with another arrow. 
the another one that he has shoots air he shoots him with another arrow narcissus looks into the water and immediately falls so in love with his own reflection that he can't move because he's now gotten cupid's arrow in him and seen his own reflection and the combination of those things is just too much and so he just sits there on the shore until he wastes away and dies and turns into a big white beautiful flower that now grows on the shores of rivers there which i thought it's an interesting story, and I thought it was pretty cool because it involves Cupid. I, I knew the outline of the narcissist he, yeah, story. Yeah, I knew it had to do with him seeing his reflection in water, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize the the, the whole series the of Cupid events. shooting him uh-huh. to get back at him. For being a dick and saying that his arrows wouldn't work on him. <laughs> so that kind of that's an older story. It's a more Greek story. It's a story that gives you more of Eros being like masculine and not taking any shit uh-huh. uh not a stupid little baby right which i think i like i prefer that cupid which one do you prefer um well i kind of like the little stupid baby one because it's that character is kind of portrayed as being a little more mischievous yeah um flying around and mm-hmm. you least expect it yeah it shoots you with the air you know what i mean yeah I, it, it definitely captures the capriciousness of of love mm-hmm. but i think the masculine, like unconquerable Cupid, is like a lot more, in my experience, a lot more of a real reflection of how love is. It's just like this unstoppable force that is way more powerful than a lot of other things that exist. I like that. I think they're both true, but I think I like that interpretation because it seems like in my life that's the way love has been. It's like this more all powerful thing. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's the most important thing. I think it is what connects us all, you know? Yes. So you gave us the rundown on the different Cupids. Yes, the evolution of Cupid. The mythology Mm -hmm. and how Cupid was involved with Narcissus. Mm -hmm. And at one point he was kind of like a gay baby. Kind of a gay baby. Yeah. (laughs) Is that a gaby? Yeah, gaby. Um, I'm I'm gonna share a little bit about Valentine's Day itself. Oh, yeah. And why we celebrated on February 14th mm-hmm. and where that came from. I don't actually know the, know any of that, so I'm very interested to learn. Well, Valentine's Day actually comes from St. Valentine, mm-hmm. who was a third century Roman saint who was martyred on February 14th, 269 AD. Hmm. They were super into martyrdom. Yeah, oh yeah, back martyring then. Martyring and... The the church. Yeah, yeah. If you died for something, they were they were pretty stoked. They were about totally that. gonna make you a saint. Yeah. So they did. He is actually the patron saint of courtly love, mm-hmm. as well as epilepsy and beekeepers. <laughs> beekeepers. Kind of makes me wonder. So, like, listen, hear me out. When they're going down the list mm-hmm. of like things, mm-hmm. nouns, um, do they just sort of it's like, do they just sort of shove some of them into like other saint? They have to because those two things don't seem to go together. No. I don't think you could have an epileptic beekeeper because he'd be throwing the bees everywhere. <laughs> yeah. He'd be having fits. <laughs> he would just have a seizure while he's pulling out the little bees thing and then bees would fly everywhere and sting him. Also, what does that have to do with courtly love? I mean, uh, with the exception of the movie My Girl, which is about love, and then Macaulay <gasps> Culkin it. dies from bees. That's it. You're right. <laughs> that's the only connection I can see. But man, that's some far side into the future. Yeah, weird though. Like, yeah. 
Because I mean, if the saint ever, if you, if you, if you were sainted after you were dead, and then like let's say you managed to come back to life, and somebody's like, "Hey, man, you yeah. got sainted. You're the patron saint of courtly love," and you're like, "Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and epilepsy and beekeeping." <laughs> Well, I kind of love is sweet and honey is sweet, so maybe there's a connection there. So I get the beekeeper one, the epilepsy one, strange. But see, I've made this point on the show many a times. I think back then they kind of worshipped people that had what we now consider to be uh, brain uh, disorders or yeah, neurological disorders. Yeah. What we now call neurological disorders. I think back then they just called being close to God and being awesome. You're right. For example, St. Clair, mm-hmm. she's the patron saint of television, mm-hmm. but not because they had televisions back in olden day Rome, mm-hmm. but because she used to hallucinate yep. and have visions mm-hmm. in her room. Mm-hmm. What? Which is like watching And they TV. thought that was great. Yeah, they thought it was great. So I think maybe there's a sort of connection there. They, they, they gave neurological disorders, what we now term neurological disorders, to saints as good. Yeah, that yeah. was definitely- I've made that point before. Yes, yeah. So relics of St. Valentine, including his skeletal remains, are on display in various churches around Rome and one church in Ireland. Those are some old bones. Yeah, they actually have his skull with a crown of flowers Mm -hmm. on display in one of the churches in Rome. That you can go see. And many people go... On Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm, to see the skull. To It's kind of like a mecca trip. Yeah, to, wow. To hopefully be blessed with the presence of St. Valentine to find love. That's pretty cool. Or 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 bees or epilepsy. Or epilepsy. <laughs> like whatever floats your boat. So the Feast of St. Valentine's, also known as St. Valentine's Day, was established by Pope Galatius I mm-hmm. in 469 AD to be celebrated on February 14th mm. in honor of St. Valentine. Now, there's some speculation among historians that Pope Galatius designated Valentine's Day in order to replace the ancient Roman festival Lupercalia, which, back to your point on Romans... And their weirdness. And their bizarre behavior. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a celebration of fertility, and it was dedicated to the Roman gods of agriculture and faunas and also to Romulus and Remus. Mm -hmm. The festival of Lupercalia was less courtly (laughs) in nature, and it involved a ritual where an order of Roman priests would strip naked Mm -hmm. and run through the streets, slapping women with the blood-soaked hides of sacrificed animals and fish, (laughs) which they believed promoted fertility. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. So that was like a thing. Wow. So first of all, they're presuming that you want to be more fertile. Second of all... They think the way to do it is by hitting you with the bloodied carcass of fish and other animals. Yes. While they were naked. Yes. <laughs> See, yeah, they were weird. So the Pope was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I like this. He was, well, you know, this was the, the church and, yeah. and Catholicism mm. and like kind of the starting of that. Right. So they wanted to have more order uh-huh. and move away from kind of the more... Crazy. Crazy Roman, ancient Roman Mm -hmm. mythology where they had multiple gods 
Um, yeah, and things were weird. Yeah, so there's some historians who think that perhaps the reason why he chose to make St. Valentine's Day a day, um, it was to sort of push that. To get rid of that. Yeah. That's pretty smart. Yeah, I'm kind of okay with that. I mean, um, I wouldn't want to get hit in the face. I mean, with a if fish. I like honestly, like if 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 on Valentine's Day I was just walking down the, you know Main Street minding my own business, and yeah, some naked man runs up and slaps me with a fish. Yeah, no, that would that's worse. I would rather the other one that we talked about, the other festival that's just like a big orgy and wrestling matches and tournaments and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd rather be there that's, too. At least that's all consensual. <laughs> yeah, not this, or, and that somehow makes you fertile. I don't. Yeah, weird. I don't know. So hmm. there you go. There, that's the history of Valentine's Day. Huh? From Saint Valentine's. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I want to go see Saint Valentine one day. See that skull and just be like, you can "Hey, see it? It's on display." What's up, dude? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's wow. That's bizarre. Since we're doing an, a, a whole episode about love mm-hmm. and satellite of love. Satellite of love, yes. <laughs> Have we circled around? Yeah, we made so. it all the way around. I think so. So to wind down mm-hmm. this week's episode of love, I thought it might be fun to answer a few questions about love and relationships. I think that would be just dandy. There's no right or wrong answer here. These are just opinions. Just opinions. And your thoughts. Okay. You ready? I probably have thoughts. I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, question number one. How do you define love? I think it goes back to that the first Cupid. I define love as uh, one of the most strong things in the world, but also one of the scariest things in the world because it makes you vulnerable and there's nothing you can do about it. It's unpreventable. And I think there are a bunch of different kinds of love. Um, and I think what you're asking for about the definition of love is a romantic love. Um, no, it's pretty, it's open. This is okay. open for interpretation. Well, I think when it's romantic love, it's scary and it makes you vulnerable. But I think when it's love of your family or an animal that's unconditional, mm. then it's a lot more soft and less scary. So uh, to me, that's that would be how I would do it. I would kind of be, there's like the scary love and then there's unconditional, warm, squishy love. That's a good point. That's a really good point of how um, love in a partnership or mm-hmm. a relationship isn't unconditional. Right. That's why it's scary. I mean, we like to say it is, and I guess we hope that it is. Yeah. And, and if it's a good relationship, you strive for it to be unconditional. Mm-hmm. But... Unlike your family or your mom yeah. who has to love you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not necessarily so much. Yeah. So you, there is sort of that fear of mm-hmm. being hurt. Yeah. But I think if you have, you know, if you have little kids or if you have dogs or cats, the kind of love that you have for the cat and that it appears to have for you is seems to be, as long as you're not horrible, unconditional. No, that's true. And that makes it like way less scary. Mm-hmm. It's still just as powerful though. I just think it's less threatening it becomes threatening when it's the, has the possibility of being unrequited right yeah it's a good point mm-hmm. all right question number two do you consider yourself to be a romantic person yes i wish that i wasn't my um my brain is not but my brain isn't in charge so i'm a romantic person because my heart says that i have to be uh-huh. But my brain wants to break free of the chains of emotion and be able to think objectively, <laughs> but it is but a mere peasant. <laughs> to your feelings. To my feelings. Uh-huh. So that'd be my answer. What about you? 
Um, I think you're definitely more romantic than I am. Yeah. I yeah. think just by nature. Uh-huh. I'm more... Although I have an appreciation for the whimsy and the the fantasy, I am probably a little more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. I'm a little more practical. Yeah. But... I'm romantic, yeah. but maybe not quite so much as you. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I idolize it? things, and I, mm-hmm. I certainly have uh, moral opinions about the world that are very emotionally driven. Yeah. All right. Question number three: Do you believe in love at first sight? Not really. I believe in um, connections. I definitely believe that you could, at first sight, know there's the potential for love. But I don't believe that you just automatically fall in love with first sight. But I believe there's totally like you can look at a group of 100 people and be attracted to one person and know you could either have a love or a friendship relationship with that person just by sort of looking at them. I think there is some truth to there. There's some like instinct that happens there. But I don't think it's falling in love. I think it's the potential. You can see the potential for love in somebody. I kind of agree with you. Um, For me, love takes time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think love at first sight is really more just attraction at mm-hmm. first sight. Yeah, you can have lust at first sight yeah, for sure. But not necessarily love, and at least love. the way that I kind of define it. But I certainly believe you can be you can see a bunch of people and just see somebody and look somebody in the eyes and just know like we could we could either There's a potential be here friends, for some kind of connection. Connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That could be love, who knows? All right, question number four. Do you think that people are made for each other? Um, not really. I don't think people are made, so not really. So like... It's all random chance. Mm, so things like soulmates or... Yeah, I don't, I don't really get... No. So really do you that. think then that like there's multiple people out in the world that you could have... Yes. A similar connection to? Yes. I believe that. Um, and the, my evidence of that is that the world has so many billion people in it, and you're only going to meet a, b- a tiny, 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 yeah. tiny fraction. And yeah. a lot of people seem to find love. So it it seems to me statistically that, yes, um, if I met everyone in the world, I could meet somebody that I loved, and then they could die, and then I could meet everybody in the world again and meet somebody that I loved again. I agree. Yeah. Um, my thinking is a little bit different, but we end up basically at the same point, mm-hmm. which is I don't think that people are inherently made for each other. Yeah, I don't think people are made for anything. I mean, we're just right. sperm and egg. Yeah, I think what what happens is we, if it's a good pairing, if it's a solid relationship and one where they work together, a couple kind of can work with each other yes to where it's almost seems like they're made for each other Mm -hmm. um but it's always work i don't think anybody's just all of a sudden perfect yeah like you show up and you're like oh we don't have to do anything and we're great (laughs) a lot of times relationships where people think that's what's happening it's just parasitic yeah leachy yeah (laughs) leachy Mm -hmm. all right question number five what causes people to fall out of love um drugs Drugs is a big one. I think a lot of people have loved someone and then drugs have changed who that person is to the point where they don't love them anymore. But is that drugs or is that kind of going deeper into... Well, if you want to go deeper, there's a causal reason for the drug use. But I just think that I've seen drugs change people enough to where people could fall out of love with them. Like That's something that can change you enough where I think someone could fall out of love with you. Hmm. I would say it's more about loss of respect. 
Yeah. From either the person you're with or you towards them. Yeah, like if they're watching too much Fox News. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you come home one day. Yeah, and they're just zonking the it's Tucker like, Carlson and you're just and like, it, I don't love you anymore. And it goes from being one day to now it's every evening yeah. they're flipping on to Fox News. And, and you're, you're like, just I just like, don't love you anymore. I can't respect that. <laughs> it's pretty much the same as drug use, if you ask me. Yeah, I just think that like drug use itself is not necessarily the reason so much as what's causing it or yeah. whatever issues are at play. But I do think, at least from my my opinion, is it's more about like losing yeah. some kind of respect you mm-hmm. had for your partner. Yeah. I mean, I think there's other reasons you could fall out of love. I just, that was an example of one reason you could fall out And of one love. that you've seen personally. That like I've seen happen, seen, where yeah. somebody has changed so much because of their drug use that I understood why their partner didn't love them anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they probably got hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, next question. How do you feel when other people find your partner attractive? Um, I would love to say that I have no jealousy, but I mean, there's, there's always going to be a little bit of jealousy because it's fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. So there's always a little bit of that's like, well, if these people find her attractive and then maybe they, she would take them over me. Um, Right. You start comparing yourself to, to them. I would love to say that I was secure enough to never have that feeling, but I, that would be lying. Uh, but I don't have it as strong as a lot. I've seen people that get her oh, real yeah, sensitive about it. yeah, that lose their mind. Because they're very, very paranoid and they have a very big fear of abandonment. I don't really have that. No. Um, so f- I have those feelings, but it's not It's not something that I don't have control over that doesn't – or it's not something that drives me crazy. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Well, I'm actually very fortunate because – most people, you're my partner, mm-hmm. and most um, most people who find you attractive are like teenage girls. Oh, yeah. So, so all I really have to do is just run over them with my car. Oh, yeah, okay. It's well, not a big deal. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> well, I get told that I look like Keanu Reeves a lot. All so the time. Whoever yeah. whoever is really attracted to Keanu Reeves would probably be attracted mm-hmm. to me. Oh yeah. But and I have to deal with that too. Yeah. I wish I was Keanu Reeves. I really do. I would have way more money, and we would have really had satellite of love. You could have had any. So we could have had like five different songs. Yeah, I had right all now. the different covers of Lou Reed's satellite of love. Oh yeah, like the Eurythmics yeah. covered it. David Bowie and him did it. Bowie did a duet yeah. with. That's him. a really great song. Look it up. You'll do. You'll, you'll thank me later. <laughs> we could link it. We could link the yeah. YouTube video. You'll thank me. <laughs> all right. Next question. What is the most important thing in a relationship? The most important thing in a relationship is communication, I think. Yeah. I think um, it's all built on whether or not you can communicate with the other person. And when miscommunications happen, how you handle them, I think, is really, really important. So I think the most important thing is things revolving around whether or not you can express to each other how you feel. I agree. Um, I think communicating is important. And also communicating about communicating. Yeah. That's also really important to set kind of boundaries because mm-hmm. if if you're in a relationship, you're inevitably going to argue at some point mm-hmm. or at least disagree, even if you're not like, you know, fighting. Don't do it on text. <laughs> yeah. The best thing to do is to have a conversation ahead of time uh-huh. when you're not arguing uh-huh. <laughs> and basically set boundaries of that- like, we're not going to like... You know, we're not going to argue or disagree through text. Yes. That's a good example. Mm-hmm. Another one would be like, please don't 
call me crazy. Yeah. If we're arguing. Like, right. That hurts me at the core. Exactly. You know? And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think discussing those things and having those boundaries about communication. I know for us, I, I said, oh, if if there's a misunderstanding that involves text, like, call me and let's <laughs> talk to each other. Yeah. Or wait till we're in person. It's perhaps the difference between reading, I want to help your Uncle Jack, comma, off a horse right and reading i want to help your uncle jack, jack off, off a horse, horse. yes exactly and i don't want to get into a fight over that no. because it's ridiculous and i'm like why leave my uncle out of this <laughs> yeah so i think that's really important if you, if somebody says something upsetting to you on text don't freak out until you understand because it is really possible to screw things up through like really simple errors mm-hmm. and then i think it's important to acknowledge when miscommunications are happening and say, like, I know I said this, but that is not what I meant. And I know you heard that and that you thought that's what I meant. And I'm so sorry mm-hmm. because I stick my foot in my mouth a lot. I'm one of those people who does. Yeah. I, yeah, that's it. I, I was going to say that too. I think, um, in addition to communication, communicating about communicating, um, I'd also add, don't be afraid to apologize. Yeah. Like, an apology can get you very far mm-hmm. in, uh, Keeping a relationship strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's worth it. it. It really is. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. And I think when you are in a relationship and it's a good relationship, it becomes its own thing. It's separate from you. There's, there's, it's like uh, the, 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 the pairing is bigger than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. You end up making something bigger that's just you plus me. You end up making something that's us. Right. And that's, that's a bigger thing. And that goes back to respect mm-hmm. as well. That's another key, I think part of relationships is actually having mutual respect Mm -hmm. all right last question if you woke up tomorrow morning as the opposite gender or sex what are the first three things you would do i can't help but say (laughs) learn to drive which is oh Oh, well this relationship may be over ladies (laughs) and gentlemen (laughs) i couldn't help i couldn't help myself uh that was a joke (laughs) I understand it was sexist. I apologize. Oh, it just popped in my head and I could not say it. Uh, Sometimes you can't help. You'll apologize for that later. <laughs> well, um, the first thing, learn to drive. <laughs> oh, I think. Uh, um, what was the question? If I was the other gender and yeah. I woke up, what would I do? What are the first three things you would do? I think there would only be one thing I would do and it would be stare at myself in the mirror naked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I would do much past that. <laughs> I actually kind of am the same, except uh, instead of staring at myself in the mirror naked, I would just go pee standing yeah, up. Yeah, just go piss all on, over On, like, everything. everything. Yeah, I would. Like, I I'd might, go outside. I might try to get free shit from people if Yo. I was pretty enough. Oh, if you were pretty <laughs> enough. <laughs> wow, you have some negative opinions on what women do. <laughs> There's this, so much coming out. Yeah, right now. this was oh, well, this was terrible. I should have. We're gonna edit this last one out. So right? You're saying women can't drive, <laughs> and you're saying that they use their what feminine wiles to get free things. Wow. No, I said that's what I would do. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I said I'd pee on everything. Yeah. That's- well, we actually do that, though. I know. No, I, I don't that. know any men that have any shame about the fact that we piss on yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I really kind of want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I want to try it. It's fun. <laughs> I know I had mentioned that I have a habit of putting my foot in my mouth, and I have managed to ledge it firmly in there here. 
So I think this is probably the best time to end the episode before I can make myself look any worse. So uh, if you want to hear episodes where I maybe don't make myself look like such a sexist, you can find them on our website. CarolinaSnowflakes.com And if you want to talk to other people about love, and I don't know, who knows, maybe find love, you can find it on Facebook, on our Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Carolina Snowflakes. And you know I love you and I love our audience. And if anybody out there loves me too and wants to say so in an email, you can always send us an email. Carolina Snowflakes at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.